What's up, guys? Before we jump into the show, I want to give a shout-out to The Green Solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout that'll get you in and out nice and quick. Use the code DNVR20 when you hit up The Green Solution for flour, edibles, concentrates, or anything else, and you'll get 20% off of your order. That is DNVR20 for 20% off your order at The Green Solution. the dnvr broncos podcast presented by strava crafts coffee you heard the code just now it's the same code it's dnvr20 to get 20 percent off your cbd infused rich tasty coffee that'll get you going in the morning might also help you with some aches and pains as well it's ryan konigsberg and andrew mason here on the dnvr broncos podcast zach is still out we're still thinking of him and uh his family so we will uh, eagerly await his return as well. Um, Mace is with me, and he is wearing a sweet <laughs> throwback Tampa Bay Buccaneers starter jacket. I had to give him props for that publicly. After It's the first thing I said when he walked in the door, but I wanted to give him a double shout-out for it. And I've got to give you a shout-out for a couple of clothing items you showed me. There was one that uh, you finally got yesterday got lost in the mail for a while and it's this amazing old school Denver Nuggets mid 1990s windbreaker blue red gold the 1990s logo on the back of it it's fantastic well thank you and it looks like it's been well loved and well worn you can see it in the white on the jacket but that just I don't know that just gives it panache it yeah. gives it character yeah uh, we sometimes uh, disagree on uniforms, but I think we both love the throwback styles mm. of pretty much everything. Yeah, specifically the, in the 90s ones. I'm not sure we want all the distinctly 90s looks to come back, but that was a fun age for uniforms and also for sideline gear. That's where it kind of really started getting creative mm -hmm. was the early to mid 1990s and you go back and look at NFL coaches on the sidelines in those days and they're wearing some wild patterns some wild designs back then in jackets in polo shirts and everything yeah I mean that's when the shark tooth pattern kind of mm -hmm. became famous or the I think they call it just like the splash pattern mm -hmm. which has like three colors and it's funny now because you look back and like I don't know, I'm just off the top of my head. Like Dan Reeves or something is wearing mm. this hat that t in today's day and age is like very hip and cool. Yes. Back then it was just the sideline gear. Right. It was it was very now, if there's retro, it was very naltro, right. as it were. And uh, you didn't think anything of it. It's just, okay, this is how things look today. Now, the thing is, everything in the moment looks good. Like in the 70s, they thought the clothes then looked good. Mm-hmm. A few years later, people thought they looked ridiculous. In the moment, you're blind to how things are perceived long term. And now we look back at the early 1990s, and I mean, we're not all going to start wearing Zuba's pants, <laughs> you know, or 
jackets like this on a regular basis, but it's good to kind of change things up. It was a it was a bold era in terms of colors as well. Today is a little bit muted by comparison. What? Yeah, well, today we really like simplicity, which I also really love as well. Um, I like a nice, clean look without too much going on with it. One thing, though, like that I have such a hard time envisioning. So, obviously, right now, very form-fitting clothes are in, tighter jeans, mm-hmm. more closely fit suits, that sort of thing. I can't imagine, because, we, you know, style trends come and go. I just can't imagine the style ever going back to like baggy clothes and maybe it will, but I just can't picture it happening. Well, that's cause we're in it right now. I know. And it's funny. You were mentioning that and I was looking on your TV and I, and I think about it in basketball terms because when bagginess took root in all clothing is when it was really finding its footing in basketball. Mm-hmm. We saw the uniforms, in over the course of the 80s and the 90s go from the short shorts and uh, tight jerseys to by the time you uh, had the mid-90s, you had plenty of room and you had the pants going down to the knees. And while we won't ever see short shorts, I think I think that look is probably, the short shorts John Stockton look, it's probably dead as, as far as something that's other than a novelty. But I mean, they are do- getting shorter. Yes. The shorts are getting shorter, and we know that the jerseys have gotten tighter. You can just—I mean—you can just look at in college or pro any team and just see how they're cut, and it's completely different now than it was, say, 15 years ago. It is interesting though, because if you watch a college basketball game or a, maybe even a high school basketball game, you'll see that guys are starting to even roll up their shorts to mm-hmm. make them shorter, which is uh, which is something that. I, even five years ago, people would have said it was never going to happen. Yeah, but that said, the short shorts are – that's a look we can leave in the past, I fine. think. I'm fine with that, and I'm very fine with, like – have you seen the pictures of, like, LeBron's draft day and how baggy his suit was? Oh, yeah. It was, like, five sizes too big. Like, we can leave that in the past as well. Yeah. Do you remember uh, when when Cody Latimer got drafted in 2014, he wore a shirt. It was an orange shirt, but it was – very baggy and very loose, and it was straight out of, like, 2003. I don't remember that. That's yeah. funny, though. The pictures are out there on the internet, so I'd and I'd encourage you to, to take a look. Actually, maybe when, when I tweet uh, out about this podcast, I'll find a picture of Cody Latimer to accompany this. I to do show remember. how. It was, but it was funny, like, because I, when, I, when, I, when I first saw him, I, I didn't think anything of it, and then I went... And then I kind of realized about an hour later, yeah, that's a look from like 10 years ago. I do remember when Demarcus Walker got drafted, it looked like he was wearing his dad's like suit jacket because mm-hmm. he didn't have one. Though. <laughs> but that was just a theory on my part. And Vic Fangio, when he got announced as the Broncos head coach, was wearing khaki pants that uh, were very hastily hemmed yes, at the bottom. Were, they had to find some for him in the equipment room, and I don't think they had any for uh, his height. Yeah. Or his lack thereof. Yes. Yeah, they're not ready for uh, shorter people like uh, Vic Fangio and myself coming through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they should have just gone into your stash. Um, they could have asked me. I, I would have been happy to help. Just my, clo- my closet's full of stuff. One thing that we're starting to see today on Twitter is players reacting to the CBA proposal. Um, two that popped up on my timeline were Chris Harris and Derek Wolf 
both saying that they would they don't like the proposal they are against it so i just kind of wanted to quickly chat with you what it what's on the table what what aren't the, what do you think these players aren't liking about it what are we working with here and what are the repercussions if things continue down this path well i think a lot of the veterans clearly don't like the 17th game that's for the players that are beyond their first contract and that are beyond the league minimums, I think that's one of those things that's a non-starter, by and large. Where do you stand? As a fan, I say, hey, more football. But thinking about the players, thinking about what that 17th game would look like, thinking about the fact that if they don't have all those extra games be neutral sites, you're going to have nine. You're going to have nine home games for some teams, eight home games for others. And I know that some people have kicked around the notion of saying, "Okay, well, AFC gets all the teams get nine home games one year, and then mm-hmm. the NFC, so it doesn't affect playoff seating." But sixteen is just a perfect number for games. And first of all. You have games that are picked off to move overseas. We've seen it in the NFL, obviously, but it happens in the NHL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, with games in Japan and last year, London. But you always start with an even number of home games for every team. So in the NHL, you start with 41, and they may pick off a a game here and there, because you're going to play it in Helsinki or something. And the NBA, 41 home games. And Major League Baseball, 81 for everybody. The NFL would be the only one of the major professional sports in this country which would be saying, okay, some teams are going to get nine home games, some teams are going to get eight. Yeah, What's I would up just with that? do everyone plays a, a neutral site game. I would too. That'd be fine. And then it's eight, eight, and one. Right, and that makes perfect sense to me. To be honest... I get that the players have to push back on something like this. Um, but to me, I like it. Um, I I like the idea of every team having a neutral site game on the schedule, playing around the world. But it doesn't sound like that's what they're going to do. Yeah. Well, I, it at least it frees up mm-hmm. the opportunity to do that. Um, I like the idea of three preseason games. That one's a little bit selfish on my part because – Covering preseason games is annoying. Uh, they're always at night, and they're always boring. And, yeah, anyways. Um, but – and I also just – I don't think it's really that much more. Like, these guys already do put their bodies through a lot, and I'm not trying to downplay that at all. I just think one more game, I don't think it makes that big of a difference. So, there are things that the players get they'll get a greater percentage of revenues. Yep. And that percentage goes even higher. I think it goes up a percentage point if the broadcast contracts in this next round of discussions see revenues increase by 60%. Wow. Which also is part of the NFL's motivation. They want to get this done now because they want broadcast contracts settled here in the next few months before an election season. Remember back in 2016... NFL game ratings took a dip, Mm. largely because a presidential election in this polarized time tends to suck the air out of the room. 
and that's probably going to happen again this fall. So you want to get the contracts in before you have what is likely to be a perceptible dip in ratings for the 2020 season, no matter how compelling the action on the field is. Training camp will change. You can't have more than three padded practices in a row. There's a limit of 16 padded practices before the season. used to be 28. There's, you know how right now they have to go, they can get into pads like on after three practices? Yes. Now you'd have a five-day, what they call acclimation period at the start of camp. They would limit practice time in camp to two and a half hours in pads, four hours total. So you can do two and a half hours in pads and an hour and a half of a walkthrough type of thing. What's it right now? Do you know? Uh, they can, I think it's five-hour okay. total limit on the field per day. Players could not be at the team facility for more than 12 hours on a camp day. Okay. Think about that. Like you have players, you know, like rookies, for example, because the rookies and first-year players have to do their taping first. Mm-hmm. So the rookies are coming in at around 6 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And once they're done with e- evening meetings, they're going back to the hotel at about 9 o'clock at night. 15-hour day. Yeah. So you're slicing three hours off of that. I like that. So in any... In any 17-game season, players would get a mandatory bye week after a third preseason game. So there would still be that week that exists between the last preseason game, or there would be a new that, – that week would exist, but there just wouldn't be a game there. Think about that probably being Labor Day weekend. Awesome. Perhaps, which has always been a dead zone. There's a, The reason why the NFL starts the season – the week after Labor Day is because when they started the season Labor Day, the ratings were down because, because people pe- were out on the boat. Yeah, exactly. They're on vacation. They're outside. They're not thinking about football. So, of course, expanded playoffs is something that we've uh, got into. One thing that uh, the players would have wanted to see but won't be coming in, you will not see guaranteed contracts. You will not see the franchise and transition tags going away. There will not be shorter rookie contracts, so you're not going to have guys hitting free agency any sooner. You will have expanded rosters. The game day active roster would go from 46 players to 48 players. You would be able to have an additional uh, offensive lineman on the roster, and practice squad size would increase. But there's a catch to the practice squad thing. You know how sometimes players would make more money than the practice squad salary they would go actually to a team that would pay him more. Kyle Sloter, for example. Yes. Going to Minnesota, he got close to double what he would have made in Denver mm-hmm. on the practice squad. Well, there, that flexibility would not exist under the new CBA. So The practice squad salaries would be locked in. Okay. For every player is the same. Right. Okay. So the other thing is, with the 17th game, remember a few weeks ago we were talking about how they set, if they played a 17th game that it would be capped at $250,000 you could make? Yes. Well, that's off the table. Now that was redone. Now it's just every player gets another one seventeenth of their salary. So basically, if you are a player that is making $17 million right now, you would get $1 million for that 18th week, that 17th game. Um, does the, 
how like how much more money are the players going to make in this scenario? Okay, well, start like, to, if if it makes it easier, a guy who is making seventeen or sixteen million right now, a guy who's making sixteen million, if they add a game, he would make just under one million dollars more. Okay, about nine hundred and I believe nine hundred fifty thousand or thereabouts. Okay, so the players are going to make. They'll more make money. more money. And then on top of that, for the rank-and-file players, because it's important to note that while the average salary is $2.7 million, the, the median salary, which is the point at which half the players make more, half the players make less, the median salary is 880000 Because you have... A relative handful of players making a lot of money that, you know, those those mega contracts, those 17, 20, 21 million dollar contracts. But most of the league is at league minimum or close to it for your experience level. So that's why this is significant. Let's say right now about 60 percent of the players op- play on minimum salary deals. Now you have some bonuses involved, but their base is the minimum for their level of experience. Well, right now, if you are a rookie or first-year player, you get $510,000. That's the league minimum. Immediately, that goes up to $610,000. So immediately, a first-year guy making league minimum sees a nearly 20% bump in his salary. And then you add the 17th game on top of that. So it increases a little bit more beyond that. Another thing that is really interesting, and it's it's in the details, but this is something that's very helpful to player young players managing their money, is that you know how players are paid during the season and that's it? Yes. So 17 weeks, 17 paychecks. Mm-hmm. Well, under a clause in this new CBA, they would get paid over double the time. So in in other words, you you'd see your pay spread over thirty four mm. pay weeks rather than seventeen, and I imagine that would become thirty six if they had a seventeenth game and eighteenth week in the season. Why would it not be like everyone else in the world, where it's monthly or biweekly pay periods? This is one of those things that goes back to the days when players would play during the season and then have off-season jobs. Okay. It's one of those kind of institutional things. Another thing is also you have players that kind of come in for a week and then they're let go. So it sort of offers you that kind of flexibility to work with a little bit. Okay, well, they were here for a couple, for two games and they get two weeks' worth of, pay, of salary and then that's it. Okay. For, for accounting purposes. That makes, that makes a little bit of sense. But think about like how guys – Sometimes they, when they first get into the league and they're getting those paychecks once a week, and uh, there have been players that have gotten into a little trouble in their first offseason. Yep. Not quite thinking about the fact that they get to the offseason and they don't have a, a weekly paycheck of right, after you have 35 tax. weeks out of the year that you're yeah. not making any money. Yeah, let's say you're a league minimum player in your first year and uh, your pre tax paycheck is $30,000. After taxes, that's what about twenty, about nineteen thousand. You're thinking, hey, I'm doing great. I can, you know, a couple of paychecks. I can go buy a new. I can go buy a car, basically. With cash. Yes. Well, 
then you get to the off season and you realize, oh shoot, I don't have this money coming in. It's happened many, many times. And I know you may be listening and thinking, well, that's not very smart on their part. Well, not every player is, you know, not every player is good at managing money. Now, they've generally they've gotten better, and if you've got a good advisor, you're in good shape. But you get in, you get in the season, and hey, you and the guys want to go to uh, go out to dinner. You go to Del Frisco's or something like that, and the rookies are paying, and all of a sudden, you're, you've you've blown five thousand oh, dollars yeah. for dinner, basically. So, I think that's going to help guys with basic week-to-week life money management. So a lot of the things I've said, Ryan, they benefit players who are on the lesser end of the salary scale, the rank and file. And when Nate Solder, Colorado guy, he's uh, playing for the Giants now, this week he came out in favor of it, but referred to himself as kind of a voice for the voiceless. He said he acknowledged that the contract was better for the younger players, the rank and file players making league minimum, and said, "Hey, you know, you've got a player that's got say four or five thousand followers, and he goes out and says, I'm going to vote for it.' But he's a back, like a, let's say he's a second team guy. He's trying to make his way in the league. He's going to benefit a lot more from this than a Chris Harris Jr. or Derek Wolf." But those guys have hundreds of thousands, even millions in terms of social media reach. Right. Well, and like Aaron Rodgers coming out against it, same thing. Aaron Rodgers has a huge social media re- reach. So Solder was kind of putting that perspective out there and saying he was in favor of it, even though he is one of those higher salary guys thinking more about the guys who are the rank and file. The other thing that we have to consider is that even though you have vocal players who are veterans – who may come out and say no, like Wolf, like Harris, like Aaron Rodgers, like a few others, there are more of the rank and file, the league, the league minimum for their experienced guys, than there, are the, than there are players at the top. And this is a one-man, one-vote deal. Okay, so one last question for me here is, we've established the 17th game. Yes. A lot of the other things you've mentioned are pro-player things. Yes, what is the other hang-up? Why, so why are people like Chris Harris and Derek Wolf so quick to vote against this? There are guys who wanted more in terms of guaranteed salaries. There are some players that want it to be like Major League Baseball, the NBA. They want the guaranteed money. That's not something that's happening. That's something that's probably going to be incremental. There are... A few players, not many, but a few that wanted more in terms of health care benefits. And while there is more money going to players in retirement, your eligibility for the pension hits at a earlier point now than it did before. You'll have more money coming in when when you're pen- when you start drawing from your pension. I think uh, at after age sixty five, you start drawing from your pension. I believe it's six figures per year for guys with enough experience. But there are some that wanted a healthcare setup like Major League Baseball, where if you played one game, you had the ability to sign up for health insurance to Major League Baseball for life. That's awesome. And 
the there are pragmatic people within the players association and also among the team representatives that were part of this they would love that as well but they know that this is that the way things are structured between the NFL and the NFLPA you've got to move things incrementally rather than try to get it all in one clump the other thing i think it's interesting is I know there's been a little bit of resistance to signing a 10-year deal. Why does it have to be that long? Why can't it be five years? Well, you know why the league wants it that long. Mm-hmm. They, the league wants labor peace. It is an extreme point of pride in NFL circles that, they, that this league has not lost a regular season game since 1987 to labor strife. They had the lockout in the 2011 offseason. The only game that was lost was the Hall of Fame preseason game. We could lose that one. <laughs> I'd like to see that in the neutral site idea, RK. I want to see the Hall of Fame game become a regular season game, I'm become one of the neutral site it. games. Wouldn't, I mean, wouldn't it be awesome to have a game that counted at that 22,000-seat stadium that is actually a really nice stadium yeah, absolutely. now that they've redone it? Yeah, completely agree. Um, for me, I think this is essentially a fair deal. I think as in all collective bargaining agreements, some go into some side, some go into the other side, but I think the players have all the leverage. And so if they can get on the same page, I think they can get everything they want if they dig their feet in deep enough. Yeah, they have the leverage because... The NFL does want to get this done now, and I know that they're saber-rattling and saying, well, we'll walk away from this for a year. But the league wants it done now. Now, what the league is positioning this to the players is as, okay, we get this done now. We get more in TV contracts because if we don't do this at this point, our revenue may, may not be as great in 2021 if our ratings do take a dip because of the election, or another thing to consider, if there's a recession, our economy is probably overdue for a recession at this point. Take advantage of it while it's booming now. Of course, if we're if we're really getting into the weeds on this, who knows how a potential pandemic might affect all this too. Yeah. So perhaps there is some motivation for all for the players as well to get this done now, but the, that's what the league is sort of saying, that, you'll, that your revenue will be greater by doing this now rather than taking the chance and waiting a year and seeing what we get in terms of, of TV contracts, streaming contracts, etc. The other thing, of course, is the NFLPA has encouraged its players to save potentially for an entire year. Mm-hmm. But how many guys really do that? Not very many. But I'm just saying, if they could get everyone on the same page and say, we are not signing anything that doesn't involve 100% guaranteed contracts. And they say, don't even come to us until you're ready to talk about that. I think they would win. Well, it's interesting to think that if they, if they dug in their heels and said, we want guaranteed contracts, period, end of story. And the NFL said, that's not happening. What would stop, say, the XFL 
from coming in and saying, well, we're going to give you guaranteed contracts. Right. And would people come to watch even though it's not the team and city brands that people are familiar with, it's the players they're familiar with. Right. I mean, it, it would be an interesting move. That I, I just The XFL would have to get a lot of money. Yeah, it would, it would basically mean Vince McMahon probably diving even further into his WWE shares and cashing them out to and, make that work. And probably beyond. Big investments. But you but if you were able to say, Okay, we're the you know, we're the XFL, we're gonna give guaranteed contracts to these guys, you probably would get some significant investment right. in that if you said, Hey, we're gonna go we're gonna go try to get Aaron Rodgers. And we're Tom gonna go Brady. and Tom Brady and get them to play under our banner. It would be it would be crazy. I mean, it definitely hurt again, it, it just adds into the fact that the players have all the power, in my opinion. You think I wouldn't be surprised if, in the corridors of the XFL, these, this conversation has already happened. It should. Because they kicked around Colin Kaepernick, for example. Should and have then paid. Kaepernick, they, they should have just gone ahead and paid up. Yep. And, I mean, we could get, get into the weeds on this, but the fact that the XFL's lowest-rated game had more viewers than the combined NFL Network ESPN coverage of the quarterback-receiver-combine workouts... Doesn't that show something about the value of live football, even if it's second-tier football? Yes, absolutely. Um, so, I don't know. I don't think the players, for whatever reason, they struggle to all get on the same page. But I think if they had a heart-to-heart meeting where they said, we're not playing until we get 100% guaranteed contracts, I think they would get them. Yeah. If that was something they pushed for. And I think that's the most valuable thing they could get. Well, that's the outlier now, right? Because NBA is guaranteed. Major League Baseball is guaranteed. I am not sure about the NHL. I don't know. I don't think there is. I wish wish AJ or Ludo was here with us right now to discuss discuss this and correct this on this. Yeah, but um, I don't know. It's really interesting. I think that. The NFL has all the incentive for this to get done faster. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the like, yes, the players would end up losing money if they didn't play for a whole year, but not nearly as much money as the owners in the NFL would lose. Well, this is largely a status quo type of deal. I mean, there's obviously some changes and and some benefit, uh, so, some benefit increase for the players, but this is but the fact that you still have non guaranteed contracts. You still have the franchise tag. You still have the transition tag. You still have the salary cap. You have all these things in place that are still favorable to management. Wouldn't it make sense for for the CBA to be drawn up by a third party? Not proposed to the players, but someone who comes in, they're a third party, they say, here's what we believe is fair, then you have to get you know 75% on both sides. It would be sort of a, a last case scenario, an independent arbitrator. Yeah, that's usually what you bring in when the union and management can't come to an agreement. When you're talking about, say, just a regular labor negotiation, right? You have to hit arbitration, basically. Okay. And bring somebody in. I don't think it's it's at that point. I don't think anybody wants to to come to that point because each side runs the risk of losing something big. Right. But yeah, I, I've, I'm often I'm often fascinated by how 
differently the NFLPA kind of goes about trying to get things compared to, say, Major League Baseball, which I think we can agree. That's the most powerful union mm-hmm. in sports is the MLBPA. Mm-hmm. And there have been some cost controls that have been built into Major League Baseball. You've got the luxury tax now, for example. Um, international, it's international signings. It comes from out of a pool rather than just kind of go spend whatever the heck you want. And it was a way basically for the the, the, the higher revenue clubs to circumvent the draft process and still ha- have an advantage in player development. But what's interesting also is that baseball has the most powerful union, and yet they have now had labor peace for over a quarter century. They're right behind the NFL in terms of the fact that they haven't, in terms of time that has passed without losing a game. Of course, it took something traumatic, losing an entire World Series, to get them there. Yes, of I course. mean, and losing a, a season and a Super Bowl would be gosh, incredibly traumatic for Absolutely. the NFL and for football fans, really. Yep. All right, well, I thought this was an interesting conversation. We'll definitely be following it. We probably won't go as in-depth as we have here, but uh, as this goes on, I personally hope they just come to an agreement and we can move on from this sort of stuff. Let me ask you one thing, though. How do you feel about players kind of putting their votes out there in the public like Derek and Chris did today? Uh, why not? Um, to me, it, it probably persuades a few of the younger guys to vote with them. So if, you're trying, if your goal is to get your vote to be the one that wins, then I think it makes sense. Actually, I'm I'm looking at some of the comments here on a, in response to Chris. Actually, it's I'm surprised that there hasn't been a a little more uh, consternation from fans. Although there is one that one person that says you don't me- represent the majority, Chris. But it's your right to vote how you please. That's not a player. That's just someone reaching out to him on Twitter. And ultimately, I think this is probably going to pass just because there are more of the players who are at that league minimum range that just by numbers, there are more of those guys than there are players like Chris and Derek. But at the same time, one thing we know is those young guys, even if they're making league minimum, they all have a self-confidence in them that says, someday I'm going to be one of those guys. True. That's making the big money. True. Everyone has that aspirational confidence yep. in them. All right, well, we want to give a shout-out to Breckenridge Brewery. They always hook it up for us. We love all of their beers. I've yet to have a Breckenridge brew that I didn't like. We had the resolution when we went and hung out there the other day, and, man, that was delicious. They've got some really cool stuff coming this summer, so I hear, so make sure you keep your eyes peeled for that. But, as always, we love Breck Brew, and uh, they've done a lot for us. And so every time that – you support them, you support us, and make sure that you uh, send us pictures and tag us and tag them and all that good stuff. We, lo- we love when you do that. Also, shout out to The Green Solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. All you got to do is head down there, get on your phone, use their app, whatever it may be, order what you need, and then use the code DNVR20 to get 20% off anything you get from The Green Solution. All right, let's hop into the questions here, and Mace, I'll let you take the first one. Yeah, let's go with Bronco Nugs checking in. asks, how do you feel about not going O-line much in the first three rounds? If we go with one of the top three receivers at 15, then running back in the second, 
and Visca happens to be there in the third, or we go defense, are you happy without any O-line help? No. Um, on the surface. Mm-hmm. I guess if you told me – there's two ways to look at this. If you told me the Broncos don't get any offensive line help in the first three rounds, I say I don't like that. But then if you told me they got uh, Henry Ruggs, uh, J.K. Dobbins, and LaVisca Chenault, well, then I feel a lot better about it. You know, I did one of those draft network, draft machine mocks this morning for the first three rounds. And I came up with the the mock that had Ruggs, Lamb, Judy, Werfs, Becton, Wills, Andrew Thomas, all off the board. Wow. At 15. I took Javon Kinlaw. Okay. I pivoted a little bit and kind of changed what I did. The second round was K.J. Hamler, the mm-hmm. quick wide receiver out of Penn State. And then I started to go O-line. I picked Matthew Pert, the offensive tackle from UConn, to start round three. I got K.J. Hill, a potential slot wide receiver from Ohio State. And then I got Tyler Biotish at the end of round three. So if something like that ended up working out, yeah, it's not a stud tackle, not one of those top wide receivers. I was pretty happy with that and getting Javon Kinlaw as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Kinlaw or even Derek Brown, remember, we talked mm-hmm. about this the day after the Super Bowl. We said the 49ers, they didn't pull it off, but they did show you the blueprint of how to beat the Chiefs, and it involves getting interior pressure. And so while we've talked a lot about offensive tackle and we've talked a lot about wide receiver, yeah. if the Broncos get an interior defensive stud, that is a good thing. That is something that is part of the puzzle that they need to fill. Yeah. Uh, Kent Law or Derek Brown may not be the primary needs, but they are needs. Yep. Even if you get Derek Wolf re-signed. Yep. Derek Wolf, Draymond Jones, insert nose tackle here is well and good. But if Derek Brown or Javon Kinlaw are there and you don't get good value at receiver or tackle, I'm okay with that. I am too. Okay. I'm also wondering, back to Bronco Nugs here, I'm also wondering if the Broncos should push for Braining Scherf. I haven't heard his name or know much about him, but if we can keep McGovern and get Jawan James healthy, I feel pretty good about the O-line for this year. The only thing I'm really worried about is left tackle, which is big thoughts. Any other free agent options we can look at? Um, Scherf. He's likely going back to Washington. All indications are they're going to tag him. But one thing kind of with the CBA floating in suspended animation right now is that some things appear to be on hold. Franchise tags, for example, there hasn't been a lot of real formal movement there as of yet. And then even compensatory picks we have not heard about. Normally we know about that before the combine. So that's one of those things that's kind of just has the pause button hit on it. But all indications are Washington is going to franchise Brandon Scherf. From Den- from Denveria. Oh, wait, one more thing before oh, okay. uh, from Bronco Nugs. Lastly, is there any scenario where we could package a few picks that doesn't include a one and get Christian McCaffrey or even our first for next year? I don't want to give a 15, but I also think if they trade 15 for him, they could move back into the late first. So straight up. The Panthers say, we'll take your first-round pick, and we'll give you Christian McCaffrey. You take the deal. Even though that means you're going to have – to get him – to get the value out of him, that means you have to re-sign him. Yep. And that means you're going to pay him 
probably more than any running back in the NFL. He's not a running back. The unicorn? The UB? Yes. Yes. Unicorn back? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you could just say right now, to preserve his talents for as long as we can, we are converting him to a wide receiver. Well, I think it's malpractice that he's been out that he was out on the field last year for ninety one percent of the snaps. Yeah. As a running back. Yeah, and like let's say you give him five carries a game. You make sure that he gets his he gets the ball in his hands guaranteed on five to eight plays a game. Mm-hmm. Philip Lindsay still remains as your top back, and Christian McCaffrey is the best slot receiver in the NFL. My goal for Christian McCaffrey, if I pick him up, is 15 touches with at least half of those as receptions. Yeah. So 15 touches a game and a minimum of eight receptions a game. I don't see why you wouldn't do that. You are... That's 128 catches over the course of a year. That's Isn't that what you want from him to maximize his value? Yes. And again, you are filling a need at wide receiver... You're filling a need for speed. And Boom, right there. You're making your offense a lot more dynamic. It's an easy decision. Yeah, it's, I, I like that you mentioned speed because I think whether you're talking about running backs or receivers, that's something the Broncos need. And that's why I know it sounds crazy, but if they haven't added a running back and Jonathan Taylor is sitting there middle of round two, I think long and hard about him. That, Middle round two, uh, I'd be interested. Yeah, it'd be a steal to get a four three nine guy who's with proven running ability and pass catching ability. There, I'd take it. Shoot, I'd even consider moving up ten picks or so, kind of like you did for Drew Locke. Yeah, the interesting thing there though is that then you are kind of Christian McCaffrey is a unicorn, but Jonathan Taylor is a running back. He's a running back, yes, and he's a traditional running back, but he's got the speed that you don't have right now. If you took him there, you're you're probably planning on him becoming the starter over Philip Lindsay. So it's just it's a little bit of a luxury pick to me. What do you tell Phil though? I mean, do you tell him start working on your pass catching as well? Because the way you can get more snaps well, he's already is by been, becoming a better pass catcher. He's already been working on that with Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. All the all the better. Yes. Because if you had the two of them I want them both on the field at the same time quite a bit, too. Oh, absolutely. All right, from Den- Denveria. Hey, guys, with the newest addition at corner, it seems that once healthy, we might have a better corner group than last year. What position group do you predict will be better, same, or worse than last year? Is there a scenario where we prove all of our position groups? Sending much love to you guys, especially Zach with, and his family. Uh, Daddy, Denveria, Deutschland. 3D. Triple D. <laughs> um, okay. Let's just quickly go through the groups here. Corner, okay. if healthy, better or worse than last year? You if have to they, say better, right? I'd hope better because Callahan is in the mix and he wasn't last year. And you're hoping that they sign a, a Prince of Mukamara or some other veteran yep. that, that gives you more depth, makes you feel better about your corners one, two, three. So but even without another one, I say it's better. You had Chris Harris Jr. and the... Yeah, the number two, Devontae Harris. Yeah, I mean, no Duke one. Duke Dawson, Isaac Yadam. Yeah, so it's, it's better. Already, if you just have Boye and Callahan, Callahan it's better. Yeah. 
Okay, safety is the same. Same. Actually, I'm going to say just a little bit less Worse, because yeah. you're losing depth by likely losing Will Parks. That's true. Um, but well, at least from the starters. Yeah. The same. Linebacker, probably the same. Outside linebacker better because you get Chubb back. Well, yeah, I was, th- I was thinking inside linebacker. Yeah, inside linebacker, it's, it's the same unless they make a strike in free agency for a Kwiatkowski or Schobert. Okay, uh, interior defensive line is worse. Yes. Unless they really get to going. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, pass rusher is better because you have a healthy Bradley Chubb. Offensive line, we assume will get better. Jawan James being healthy. This is a little bit of the same thing with Bryce Callahan. If Jawan James is healthy, that group instantly improves. Okay. Uh, wide receiver, we presume will be better. Has to be better. Pretty easy to make it better. Um, running back, we also presume will be better if they add mm. in the first four rounds. Yeah. So, there's a chance that a lot of the groups... Oh, and quarterback is obviously better because you're getting a full season of Drew Locke. Specialists. The same. Same. Well, Unless you draft a punter. Hopefully better. Braden Mann or Michael Turk. I wonder then how... you're better. <laughs> I wonder how, on average, how many groups get better and worse on a team throughout an offseason because not everyone can get better at every position every year right like let's let's look at last year for instance for the Broncos and just where they stood position wise and and where we thought they were did were we did we think they were better at safety or worse better better because they added cream Jackson better at corner or worse we thought worse because they lost Bradley they, Roby. They lost Roby and they brought oh, in Callahan. Well, we thought they would be better. If we Callahan thought Callahan would make him would make him better because he'd be healthier. Outside linebacker, same. Yeah, we we thought Bradley Chubb takes a step forward, okay. so better. Inside linebacker, Brandon Marshall wasn't brought back. Right. So you were relying on Josie, Josie Jewell. And, yeah, we probably thought that was a little bit worse. worse. D line. Uh, Nothing really done to it at all. Everyone came back. Except you lost Pecco. Yeah. So maybe worse because you lose Domata. Yeah. Offensive line. Brought in Juwan James. We thought better. Lost Matt Paradis. Still thought better. Okay. And you thought Garrett Bowles would be better in year, in year two. Or yeah. year three, pardon me. Wide receiver. Better because Cortland was going to be taking the next step in year two. Right, and Emmanuel. And we thought Deshaun Hamilton would take the next step, too. Running back. Same. Same. Quarterback. We thought it would be better, for sure. We thought Joe Flacco was better than Case Keenum. So basically, we're having the same conversation that we had last year about thinking that everything is going to be better. It rarely works out that way. And that's kind of that was the uh, crux of my point there. Yeah. I wonder how many teams actually get better at how many positions over the course of an offseason. Well, the Broncos have probably thought now that they've improved the quarterback position three consecutive years because they thought it got better when they signed Case Keenum. And they thought it got better when they traded for Joe Flacco. And now they think it's better because Drew Locke is taking the next step forward. In the end, if Drew Locke, if, if you could just say Drew Locke, is good. You really don't need all the other things. <laughs> That's true. Makes up for a lot of weaknesses. Oklahoma Broncos evil twin. Hey, DNVR fam, how goes life? My Great. fiance and I, it's wonderful. 
My fiance and I are planning a weekend trip to Denver in July. So far, a Mile High Stadium tour and a Rockies game against Mesa's Braves is what we have planned. That'll be fun. We're both opposed to tourist attractions, so what non-touristy things do you recommend with a couple of nights in Denver? Don't worry, Bojo's is definitely on the list. Got to get some honey spoons while I can. Honey spoons. Honey spoons. Um, Just Red wait, Rocks if you can. Wait a little bit here. We'll be able to tell you about a must-stop on your Denver tour. Yes. Yes. Um, Stay tuned. Red Rocks is a must. You're already going to Coors Field, which is great. Um, in July, it depends on what part of July, whether you could hit training camp or not. You also, Do you want to do a hike in Rocky Mountain National Park? Or just a hike in or, Boulder. Yeah. Um, yeah, those are kind of non-touristy things. A Saturday in the park at Wash Park, perhaps? What song? Saturday in, in the, the park. park. Think it was the Fourth of July. July. Old school Chicago, yeah. Yeah. What's the song? Saturday in the park. Saturday in the park. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, well, yeah. Just pretend that song is by Denver and not Chicago, and hit up Wash Park. Yeah. It's it's a beautiful time. Just hope uh, it's not too hot that weekend. And it's you know you should be in good shape, but you might get one of those weekends where the temperature spikes to about a hundred, and you're not going to want to be outside that much. But still, the evening should be comfortable. And I- I'm looking forward to that series myself, of course, with the Braves coming into mid July. It's kind of the perfect time for the Braves Rockies series for me because then I can go to all the games comfortably. I don't have to worry about missing about uh, hustling from training camp to get to a practice or what it, to, to get to a game. I always love it. The baseball season is pretty. It's pretty well into it. You've got a feel for the teams. The question is whether Nolan Arenado is a Rocky then or not. Big question. If it's I, if the season is not going well, you might be in the final homestand of Nolan Arenado as a Rocky. Ugh, Let's not, not think about that. From Mile High Mike, to clarify my last comment on why my favorite part of the Boye trade was that no one predicted it, this is more from a place of personal amusement and a more general benefit to the team than this particular trade. I like that LA still has a few tricks up his sleeves in regard to obtaining players in the offseason that can fly under the radar long enough to keep the competition guessing. This should help Elway get who he's looking for in the draft as well as free agency. Let me know if you agree. One thing about John Elway having a relatively small amount of people in the circle of trust is that not a lot of things get out. You see the trial balloons floated through Mike Kliss, for example. Yeah. But not a lot gets out. Yep. Compared to some other teams. Definitely true. He says, anyhow, I'm hoping we make a move for Prince still. That secondary sounds legendary. Quick question for the other side of the ball. I thought Tim Patrick and Hamilton showed improvement with Drew at QB. Do either of them have a chance of being around past their existing deals, especially with the talent we're likely to bag in the draft? I'm rooting for these guys, but not so much that I want Elway to hold anything back this season. But I'm curious if these guys can be great. I have spoken. Mile high, Mike. They have a chance. They'll just have competition. I think with Tim Patrick, the question with him over the next year or so is, can he show enough to be a starter, or is he just kind of a rank-and-file backup who maybe you give a $2 million a year contract to, or maybe he moves on to somewhere else, kind of like Benny Fowler and Cody Latimer did uh, when they were eligible to hit free agency. That's that's, that's what's at stake for him. 
It's just that they're going to have, they're both going to have competition. Uh, Deshaun Hamilton's going to be an intriguing spot because I would be stunned if the Broncos do not draft a potential slot receiver at some point. And in my, of course, as I mentioned in my little uh, mock draft simulator, I had him going KJ Hill late in round three. I think they will pick a slot type of receiver in the third or fourth round this year. And that's going to be competition for Deshaun Hamilton. May the best man win. Yeah, I both of those guys are afterthoughts to me. Just end of the roster eventually. Deshaun, you had hoped more for, from. Maybe he finds a place with Drew. He did definitely excel with Drew. But the goal is to draft over them. Are Tim Patrick and Jawan Winfrey fighting for one spot? Probably. That back-of-the-depth chart special teams guy. Yep. From Frank Juggernaut, he says, Hey, guys, first-time comment from a long-time listener slash subscriber. Well, welcome into the comment section. First and foremost, the DNVR subscription is such an incredible value. Got, Got him. him. And I'm so impressed that you never rest on your laurels. I'm psyched to see what's coming on March 13th per RK's Twitter. It's going to be awesome. Allow me to join the chorus of voices singing your praises. The insightful commentary, chemistry, creativity, and humility are truly unique in the sports podcast slash broadcast universe. Kudos, gentlemen. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Quick Humility. Wow. Yes. <laughs> Quick note about yours truly. I'm a Colorado native who was eight years old when Elway was a rookie. Mace, I was born in 1975. But I also watched my beloved Buffs during the original rise, culminating in the 1990s domination while I was doing keg stands in Boulder. So as disturbing as the imagery may be, I bleed both orange and blue and black and gold. And that means I have a blood the color of Freck Brew <laughs> Vanilla Porter. Love that. Enjoy the imagery. <laughs> then enjoy a cold brew. Hooray for Boyer. Keep the free agents coming on defense. Keep crushing it. The Frankie juggernaut. P.S. Mace, I live in Colorado Springs and heard on the podcast you were heading this uh, way at some point later this week, I believe. Feel free to reach out if I can buy you a beverage. No pressure, though. It's going to be kind of tight this weekend. My, my daughter's actually part of a birthday party at Great Wolf Lodge that down there. awesome. What, what's that? Great Wolf Lodge, it's basically a hotel slash indoor water park. If you've got a kid between the ages of like four and ten in this state, you've probably heard at some point, can I please go to Great Wolf Lodge? Wow. And my daughter's been begging for it for two years now. And so we're going to go down there. And I'm, sh- I'm sure it'll be fun, but I, it's funny. Yesterday, um, I was talking with uh, Kyle Keefe of uh, Altitude, and he was talking about Great Wolf Lodge, and I informed him that, yeah, it's my first experience with it, and he said, prepare to drink. You're going to need it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Speaking of wolves in Colorado Springs, you can go to the Colorado Wolf and Wildlife Center, mm-hmm. which you can actually hang out with wolves and see them, and they're wow. awesome. You know, we I know we've got a lot of listeners down in the Springs, and that's an easy drive. That may be a, a Rogue Show podcast at some point for us. That'd be cool. To go down and hang out with all of our listeners in the Springs. That'd be cool. Find a good, find a good spot to do that. That'd be fun. What? We, don't, we, we, are D, we are Denver, DNVR, but we know that the Springs is a big part of the Colorado sports scene. Right, and when we say we are Denver, we just mean we as in... All of us. Yes, that's a great point. Count Locula. I once tried to make a hard-boiled egg in the microwave. 
Don't try it. Oh, God. <laughs> I have the visual here in my yeah. mind right now that's better than any description could possibly be. Count also says, have you ever put your foot in your mouth? Not literally. Love the count. Off the top of my head, I'm not, nothing is coming to mind where I said something I really shouldn't have said. Mm-hmm. Ah, gosh. Maybe I've just tried to put the moments where I put my foot in my mouth out of my mind. Right. I mean, we all have like bad predictions that we regret. But that's yeah. not really putting your foot in your mouth. Right. I would say like putting your foot in your mouth. I remember one time my dad was at this place. I forget what it was, but he was in like a waiting room of sorts. Mm-hmm. And he turned to this lady next to him and was like, do you notice that everyone in here has a tattoo? <laughs> and he kind of said it in like a negative way. Yeah. And then the woman just like pulled up her sleeve and revealed the tattoo and just didn't say anything to him. That's like putting your foot in your mouth. Yeah. Or uh, if you come up to somebody and uh, tell them congratulations because they're pregnant and she's not pregnant. Right. You yeah. Ne- yeah. Never do that. Just ne- yeah. Just <laughs> err on the side of caution, even even if there is like they're like on um, the table having a baby. Baby, just, you don't say. Just be safe. <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> oh God, I have a really bad one. Oh. Um, but it wasn't me. Uh, I was with my aunt in Venezuela at this t-shirt shop and luckily she didn't get called out for this mace, yeah. but she, uh, we were, we brought the t-shirts up to the front that we wanted and she asked the guy at the front how much it costs. Mm-hmm. He was like, Oh, like that'll be $70. She was like, wow, it costs an arm and a leg just to get a T-shirt around here. But the guy literally was missing his arm. Oh. She didn't mean it oh, like that, but it was so bad. Oh, no. And she didn't even notice until I told her afterwards. And, uh, yeah, it was rough. Oh. We all It happens to all of us. Mace is oh cringing out of his that's mind. That's bad. Right I, I, I have no words for that. That's so bad. Oh, man. Oh, J3 Bronco. Howdy, gents. Greetings from the western side of our great state. The mountain bike trail is over in Grand Junction, and Fruta are in prime condition right now. Anyway, a couple of comments or questions for you. Number one, what would you prefer? Let the Broncos walk back their decision to let Bosby go and sign him for one year, three mil, or someone like Prince for six mil? Pro and cons of each. Prince for six mil. Yeah. You get a better player for a little bit more money. Relatively, it's double what you're saying here, but really it's a little bit of money. And he's not coming off a neck injury. Yeah, that unfortunately. Too. Yeah. Number two, I heard one of you say recently that we might be needing a CYA or veteran receiver in the mix this season, and I love the idea of bringing back DT. Maybe it's my heart talking louder than my head. It is. <laughs> but I think he could really bring that veteran leadership to that room and would get to retire as a Bronco. Plus, I'd imagine he'd be fairly affordable at this point and probably still has a bit left in the tank. Thoughts on this? Well, he doesn't have anything left in the That's tank. That's the problem. Um, he would be the veteran minimum if you wanted to bring him in, I would assume. Here's where I pause. One. He took lots of shots at the Broncos on his way out the door. Mm-hmm. And that was a shame because I think DT is the most underappreciated Bronco of all time. Um, I really love DT. And then he had the legal issue in Colorado just shortly after that. Mm-hmm. And to me, I just think that probably 
it eliminated the you know sweet little reunion thing that you could do. Yeah, I think he'll be a ring of famer in due time. He'll get his due, but uh, yeah, I, I just don't. I don't think there's enough there. I, I'd rather have Paul Richardson. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, and injury concerns are a thing with Paul Richardson, for sure. But when he is healthy, he gets open. And again, he's the insurance policy. He is in case in case you don't get two receivers in the draft. Yep. If you only get one, and wait, maybe one of them, it's only a slot guy, and you don't get the outside guy. So that's. That's what you're thinking there. Thanks again for the great content. If y'all ever want to come over to this side of the mountain to ride some bikes, maybe on an on-location pod, hit me up. Go Broncos J3. So, yeah, shout out to the Western Slope as well, not just the Springs as far as all the great members of the DNVR fam that join us every day. Yeah, maybe we scratch the world tour for the Colorado tour. Fine by me. There's a lot of scenery. Some would say this is the most scenic spot in the world. I, I have plenty of Colorado left to see, so I'm in. And you've been here your entire life. I have. Yeah. That, my wife and I have consciously been trying to plan more in-state trips to explore. We feel like we haven't seen enough of the state. I mean, there's so much here. to do just up in Colorado Springs and Manitou yeah. Springs and mm-hmm. that area that I definitely haven't explored yet. Um, there's, like, I haven't been to the sand dunes. I never have either. I, I, I think I heard they're amazing yeah i've heard amazing things that i need to do my goal of the summer Mm -hmm. is to do more camping i love camping um it's a little bit hard with uh, our job to be completely out of cell service for multiple days at a time that's what i keep telling my wife but i i love camping i love that i don't know it sounds corny i love waking up just to the world like you're mm-hmm. just in you're just in the forest or wherever you are you just like wake up to a stream or anything like that it's like extremely liberating to me you hear the birds chirping and you hear the creek babbling yeah so you've got a fire crackling mm-hmm. you're having a cup of joe i don't know it's i, I it's uh i love it I and mean, I, I haven't done it in years yeah it but you mentioned that we can't really be out of touch my wife, who's Catholic, asked me jokingly, are you going to give up social media for Lent? <laughs> I'm like, I really can't. That's no, really part of my not. job. Yeah, it's a huge part of our <laughs> it's job. A little, she gave up social media for Lent. Okay. But she's only on Facebook and occasionally on Instagram. Right. That's right. nothing for her. So. Um, yeah, so my goal is to do more camping this summer in places in Colorado that I haven't been. Yeah, take good pictures. Yes. We'd love to see him. And you know what? If the Broncos make a move while I'm gone, I trust you guys to handle it. Well, that is the advantage of a three-man team on the Broncos here. Exactly. From uh, 940 Broncos, to answer your question, uh, Mace, yes, the Dallas Renegades did play Renegade by sticks. It took them to the fourth quarter to play it, but they did it nonetheless. It was in the high 60s and windy, so it was a great activity to do on a weekend down here. I do agree that I think the season should start around April as opposed to February, and I hope that's a move they make in the future. Also, I get where you're coming from when it comes to the stadium discussion, but our MLS stadium is way on the other side of the Metroplex, and Dallas really likes Arlington as its home for sports, considering the Rangers and Cowboys play there. So the original Globe Life and the original Globe Life needs some use. That's a good point. I just wish they could kind of knock the upper deck off of most of Globe Life and convert it into about a 25,000 uh, seat park. It's actually interesting a lot of the, that you've seen in Atlanta and now in Arlington, Texas, they've taken 
Major League Baseball stadiums that were deemed insufficient, perhaps before their time, both uh, Globe Life Park and Turner Field in Atlanta were built in the mid-1990s and have converted into football stadiums because the the old Braves Park, Turner Field, is now Georgia State Stadium. And speaking of spring football, it's where the Atlanta legends of the ill-fated AAF played last year. The only problem with these stadiums is you have these huge upper decks that kind of go uh, unused in these venues. I, I guess... Is there? I mean, I wish they could tarp it, like at least tarp off these upper decks at these uh, XFL venues. That's that's one thing that uh, I wish they'd do. But you are right about the MLS venue that the FC Dallas plays at because that's all the way out in Frisco. Now, that's actually toward where the, uh, the Cowboys have their facility, the big complex known as the Star in Frisco. But it's not really centrally located. It's part of the Metroplex. Oh, uh, next one is from Hank Hills Propane and Propane Accessories, speaking of Texas. I'm so hyped for Boye. Once again, the Jags jag and give away a really good player for peanuts. They are the Rockies of the MLB, essentially a farm team for the rest of the league. Whoa. Calm down, sir. Easy. He says, LOL, I'm a Rockies <laughs> fan. But that's honestly where we are right now. Only thing that would bring me down is CHJ going to KC or Dallas. Hashtag curse of game. I will take issue with this because the Rockies – over the last, what, 10 to 15 years, have done a really good job of keeping their players around. Yeah. They kept Helton probably longer than they should have, but they kept him. They kept Cargo yep. for a lot longer well, than people thought. And they got Cargo by right. trading Matt Holiday. That's yes. the last time they really traded a big-name player like that. Obviously, they ended up trading Tulo, but Tulo was done by that mm-hmm. point. Um, they didn't get really get anything back in the trade, unfortunately, but neither did the uh, the Blue Jays. They probably held on too low, too long as far as getting value for him. Probably right, a but, year or two too long. Right, but they, they had him for his prime. Mm-hmm. Um, they had Cargo all the way through his yep. prime. Um, they've had Nolan. They signed they signed Charlie Blackman. Like the, the Rockies really aren't at all a feeder system for other teams. No. So, sorry. Took issue with You that. don't think of them in the way you think of – well, like the Rays are a bad example, but they just because they were able to keep Longoria, but they just keep churning out prospects. Um, the, the thing with the Jags that's most fascinating is that they were in that trust the process mode a few years ago, and they tore down and rebuilt. And the final element of the rebuilding was attracting some free agents, you know. Malik Jackson, Calais Campbell, A.J. Boye on big contracts. Resigning Blake Bortles, which I think we could all agree was a mistake. And what did they get out of all of their teardown and drafting and rebuilding? They got one playoff appearance, went to the AFC Championship game, and that was it. All that basically for one shot at one viable shot at a Super Bowl. And now they're in teardown mode because they're trying to get out from these contracts in order to, to balance things out. They're in, a, they're in a tough situation in that they are, they're clearly talent deficient and need to rebuild, but they're also cap, they're also cap strapped. They're not cash strapped. Shad Khan can write any, he's one of those owners that can write any check for anything he wants. Mm-hmm. But they are cap. I've heard, I heard on the radio yesterday that the notion that they were 
cash strapped. They're not cash strapped. They're cap strapped. Right. They're, they're, there's a difference there. But they've, they've put themselves into this mess, and they haven't really started another rebuilding process yet. Just a team that's just in a very bad place right now. From Iceman, hey, friends, definitely want Brett to get a real chance as the backup uh, and for Devontae to be re-signed. I'm surprised he has been on the 53 for all four years, and with a new rushing scheme, I'm not sure why you guys don't think he could make the draft pick spent worthwhile. Love another AJ on the 53. Go Denver, Dalton, DNVR, Drew, and Devontae. Tell me if you agree with me on this, RK. Devontae Booker, his vision is among the worst I've seen from an, for an NFL running back. Absolutely. And his rece- his receiving ability isn't that great. It's just average. Yeah. I just the draft pick, he had 4 years to make the draft pick spent worthwhile. It's he didn't. The time has passed. The Broncos, you know, basically they parted ways with Ronnie Hillman after roughly the same amount of time, and Ronnie Hillman did a lot more for the Broncos than Devontae Booker did. Yeah. There were bursts. Totally. There were some bursts of brilliance from Ronnie Hillman. I mean, I remember times. when I went back and watched the 2013 AFC Championship? Oh, no, that was Monte Bull. Never mind. But Ronnie Hillman played well in the playoffs. And in the 2015 season, when he, it was funny that year when C.J. Anderson was starting early in the year, Ronnie Hillman was the better back. Then Ronnie became the starter, and C.J. was the better back. Chip on the shoulder. So it's a, they're getting the playoffs. Like, well, why are you starting Ronnie Hillman? It's wor- whatever is going on there. It's working. The the number two guy in is playing better. Don't mess that up. But he had that long touchdown against Minnesota that year. Remember? Yep. Uh, Carpaccio Chris starts with well wishes for Zach, and then he adds, Amen. "I had a nightmare last night that Elway drafted a punter in the first round." Mace, just out of curiosity, what's the highest a punter has ever been drafted? Figured you know. Thanks. Wasn't it Ray Guy? Ray Guy was a first-rounder out of Southern Mississippi in 1973. I believe he is the only pure punter to go in the first round. Now, there have been other players who could punt who were taken in round one. Like Wizard White. Yes, or uh, players who were considered to be prospects at both punter and kicker. For example, uh, back in uh, 19. 19- 78, the St. Louis Cardinals took Steve Little, who could punt and kick. In the first round. In the first round. You, oh my God. No. And that's actually one of the more tragic stories in NFL history because he struggled. Two years later, they had a new coach, Jim Hannafin, who was dissatisfied with him, and by then he was only a place kicker. And so on the practice field, had a kickoff. He was basically a kick for his job against Neil O'Donohue. And O'Donohue won. Steve Little was cut. He went out, got drunk. That night, had an accident on, I believe, Interstate 270 in the oh. St. Louis area and was paralyzed for the rest of his life. Oh, that's terrible. But, yeah, um, punt, yeah, the only pure punter is Ray Guy, and he was the uh, 23rd overall pick in 1973, both Steve Little. And then a year after Steve Little, Russell Erksleben was a punter-slash-kicker from Texas drafted by the Saints Number 11 overall. That's so bad. There were some weird things going on in the late 70s, early 1980s draft-wise. And just the league in general overvaluing punters and kickers. In 1982, the league MVP was a kicker. (laughs) 
I mean, your reaction, you, you just smiled and started laughing. I mean, that says it all right there. How many game winners did he have? If you had like seven game winners in a season, I could maybe he make the case. He had, okay, what well, was a nine-game season because it was shortened by a strike. He had, I think he had the game-winning kick against Philly, again, for Washington against Philly, against the Giants. Um, and there was one game, and this just shows how kind of bizarre his season was. He had a game in Tampa that was played in a downpour, and he hit, like, just the water was cascading down the aisle. Like, the aisles between mm. the sections, it looked like waterfalls. Waterfall. Coming down the steps. That was that an old. Awesome. That was a feature of the old Tampa Stadium. Whenever it rained heavily, the water just just came down like that. But it, that also meant it was coming down where you were sitting, and so if you didn't have boots on, your shoes would be just drenched. Oh man! Because we would we sat in the third row, and that was where the water was really starting to collect. So it was interesting. But yeah, he hit three field goals that day in a downpour with driving wind. It was basically like playing in a mini hurricane, but he missed a couple of extra points. Oh, that was Mosley set at the time a record for consecutive field goals made. Mm. But in the course of that, he missed, I believe, two PATs. Wow. But he was the league MVP in 82. The late 70s, early 80s were a strange time in the NFL. Imagine drafting a player in the first round who at most could maybe impact the game eight times in a game. Mm -hmm. But that means you're having a terrible game if he has to impact the game eight times in that game. Yeah. Like, the, like the, the, these people were out of their minds. And especially, like, you were the Cardinals in the 78 draft and the Saints in the 79 draft. The Cardinals were a 500 team the previous year. The Saints were a 7 and 9 team the previous year. It's not like these teams didn't have needs and they decided they'd rather draft kicking specialists. Yeah. That's just amazing to me that that was their thought process. I mean, I lost it a few years ago when the Bucks took Roberto Aguayo in the second round. I mean, how does that happen in 2018, 17? Yeah. That is shocking. I mean, I, it's sort of a joke now, I know, and people may laugh at how often I talk about picking a punter, but I'm always talking about it, RK, in like at earliest the fifth round, more likely the sixth. This is not something we're talking about with a day one or day two pick here. Unbelievable. And if they pick a day, it, they won't pick a punter on day two. Trust me, because I know how they value that position in, in the draft room. If they do, I will be saying somebody in that building lost their damn minds. Yes, 100%. All right, from Manx Bronco. All right, fellas, gutted. It's looking like the end of the Broncos and CHJ, but that's largely down to him. Why would you say we're in the market for a running back? Is it purely we need better than Freeman, or are we looking for something to add to Freeman and Phil? Purely because they need something better than Freeman. He's just mm -hmm. not very good. He's he's just he's just okay. He's he he's the unflavored ice cream. Of his position. It's just meh. Forgettable. What's a, what's a forgettable meal for you? Um, I don't know. I, I like all meals. Okay. Well, I mean, like, <laughs> like, like, pot, like, a, like a pot roast. Scrambled eggs for breakfast. Okay. Or like, or like a, a, an, an overcooked pot roast and a side of mashed potatoes. 
Yeah, yeah I mean, it, I've it, never. You luckily, eat it and you both forget of my it. parents are very good cooks, so I never okay. had any overcooked pot roast. All right, good. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, that's what he is. He's just he's a he's a meal that you forget about as soon as you've eaten it. If if he just didn't show up to training camp, people might not even notice. Damn. <laughs> also, with the announcement in the works that the Broncos are coming to London. There is a vicious rumor going around. Okay, I'm starting it. That your cases are going to be filled with strawberry sky for us. What are the uh, laws on transporting alcohol? I think they're overseas. pretty lax. Okay. Um, well, overseas might make it a more complicated. I just know that like one time I went to Vegas on Southwest. Yes. And I just used my second bag to just fill it with alcohol. That you checked. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you can do it. Hmm. Interesting. I should have tried that when I flew back from Wisconsin this past September, and I should have brought some new Glarus with me. Some what now? New Glarus. It's a beer that you can only get in the state of Wisconsin. Mm. I actually have, we, my wife and I have a friend who works at the New Glarus Brewery, and they have, I like fruit beers. They have a beer that, that's Wisconsin Belgian Red, which is brewed with cherries that are from Door County, Wisconsin, which is a little bit uh, northeast of Green Bay. Okay. And it's incredible. By the way. It's it's like, it's basically just, it's like you're drinking fermented cherries. By the way, fruit and beer is a beautiful combination. Strawberry Sky is a great example of this. Yes. Anyone who tries to tell you that fruit and beer shouldn't go together doesn't know what they're talking about. But hopefully there is a way in England... For us to have Breck Brews for the people, for all of you that are going to join us. I think we could figure something out. Yeah. Maybe. We'll get creative. For Mark IT Snatch. Hey, guys. RK, I tried making a recipe off the top of my head that's keto-friendly and thought of you. Fry a pile of cheese in a skillet until it fully melts and bubbles. Add beef and beans on half. Fold a la an omelet. Finish cooking on each side to seal it up. Then wrap a paper towel to cool and degrease. They've turned out great. I'm struggling with a name if it's not a thing already. Best I've got is beef and bean cheese empanada. Any better ideas? Also, I put my in-laws homemade salsa on top, which really made it pop. The problem is you can't have beans on keto. Yeah. Hate to Mm. burst your bubble there. Still sounds good, though. It sounds fantastic. I, I made like a chicken quesadilla once with just, um, well, so I took... You make the cheese. I didn't. I don't fry it in the skillet. I put it in the oven. You okay. just put a pile of cheese in the oven until it melts out into a flat, you know, tortilla. Yeah. Putting in air quotes. Then I took <laughs> chicken, cooked it up. But then here's what where where the kicker was. I made a mix of uh, cream cheese mm-hmm. and queso sauce. Ooh. And. Ooh. mixed the chicken into that yeah. and then laid it out over the uh, the tortillas and, and uh, melted Wow, that it sounds was, really good. It was delicious. Wow. Very delicious. Pretty amazing. He goes on, with the excitement about Boye, are you content with the secondary? It seems like a hullabaloo. We're rabid for more trades, free agent signings, and Yadam and Devontae Harris, Trey Marshall, etc. are completely forgotten about. They stepped up big this year. Do we really need another free agent, or do you draft a couple cornerbacks and safeties for depth and call it good enough? Oh, I think you need a Mukamara. Yeah, one more corner, and then 
if something happens to Bryce Callahan, you figure, okay, somebody of Devontae Harris, Isaac Yadam, Duke Dawson, Shaquille Taylor, somebody steps up. Yep. You, have, you got four possibilities there. Yep. And I think one of them will be able to do the job. It's just right now, I don't feel... I don't feel secure just yet, just because I think it's fair to not have confidence in Bryce Callahan's foot. It's fair to be wary of this right now. And Callahan does have an injury history. Yeah, I mean, that, the Callahan injury stuff definitely makes you frown. But if something makes you smile, mm-hmm. then you want to go to Green Mountain Dental Group to make sure you get that smile nice and <laughs> pearly. And guess what? If you get a, a cleaning x-ray and exam right now, they're going to hook it up with a free Sonicare toothbrush. I recently got my Sonicare toothbrush, and it's great. Really, uh, really does all the work for you, which is, is great in all things. So uh, make sure you check out Green Mountain Dental Group. They're a longtime DNVR partner, so we love them very much. Now, does the Sonicare toothbrush have the timer on it to let you know that you're brushing long enough? Yes. That's the best part of those types of toothbrushes that reminds you that you need to brush for two minutes. Yep. And brush equally in all corners of your mouth. A nice little reminder to have, I think. That'll be the next thing. It has like a little LED screen on it that yeah. shows you what you haven't brushed yet. Yeah. Oh, it's coming. I, I, that that technology is coming in the next 10 years, I bet. I bet. Yeah. So, I bet so, too. Mets Bronco 50. Hey, fellas, just got my new DNVR Skyline shirt for subscribing. And all the hype about their comfort is 100% real. Damn fine shirt. You know, we're both wearing DNVR shirts today. You've got... The uh, flag logo, I've got my Kyle Freeland shirt on. If I have the opportunity to, I only wear DNVR shirts. It's good to promote the brand. Exactly. Yeah. And and I was thinking now, I've actually got, I realized that between t-shirts and a polo shirt, I've actually got enough to where I could do DNVR and Breckbrew every day of the week. That's nice. I I'm on my could, way. I definitely could do the same. <laughs> For a dumb microwave story, when in college, I had one of those ramen bowls that you just fill with water and put with rom- put the ramen in. Boy, I know all about those. Well, after a night out, I decide no better time for ramen than two in the morning. Well, in my hunger, talking with a roommate and possibly one too many drinks of me, I forgot to put water in the bowl. Oh, no. The smell of burnt ramen and plastic quickly filled the kitchen, and needless to say, that remained an ongoing joke in my house for the next three years, and to this day, I still get made fun of. Rightfully so, I suppose. Anyway, thinking of Zach and his family and Hope all as well. We are thinking of Zach as well. I guess the only thing that would have made that worse is if you'd put alcohol. Oh, God. In the ramen instead of just nothing at all? I could see like a, a splash of something, maybe mm-hmm. enhancing the flavor. Yeah. Um, a slash of like uh, Jack Daniels or something? Yeah, that might be too peaty. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking like a splash of wheat beer or okay. something. That's fair. From Nemo3. Hey, guys, coming to you live from... The satellite Broncos Think Tank headquarters here in Hampton, Virginia. Hey, Didn't nice. know that existed. I'm proud to announce that I figured out. I figured out a way for the Broncos to be in the Super Bowl within two years max. So let's further get down to it. First, free agency. My friend is to re-sign Simmons, Elijah Wilkinson, and Devontae Bosby. Wilkinson, two, 2.7. Uh, Bosby, 1.8. Simmons, 14.2. I'll let Wolf, Shelby, and Chris walk. Then I'm going to sign Eric Armstead for approximately 17 mil. DJ Reader for 12 mil. We're running low on money here already. Yes. 
About and to trade my lower. <laughs> and trade my fourth pick for Darius Slay and sign him to a three-year, forty-two million dollar deal. How much is that per year? Fourteen. Mm. But wait. He says, "Well, just as I'm typing this up, my brother texts me and says we got Boye on second thought. He will be. He will more than suffice. Anyway, in the draft, I'll trade up to eleven or twelve and get a late, giving up a late third and sixth. I'll trade either Judy or Wirt. I'll grab either Judy or Wirfs." And flip flop second round by second round by grabbing the best tackle available. Jones, PTW, Prince Tegan, Winogo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jackson or Niang, or T Higgins. Uh, she nails. Cheno. Oh, I think that's the autocorrect of Cheno. <laughs> wow. Uh, or Rager, <laughs> depending on the first round move. Next, I combine the two thirds and move back into the second round for the second year in a row to grab Tyler Biotish just to appease Mason. Thank you. But seriously, guys, we're talking about a potential lineup of Judy Sutton, Lindsey Fant, Biotish, Reisner, Wilkinson, Josh Jones, Juwan James, and on offense, on offense, and AJ Boye, Bosby, Callahan, Reader, Armstead, Chubb, Von Cream, and Simmons. Four words: Super Bowl ready now. That's a. You know what that. I think he did a really good job here. Yeah. This is fun. It's a it's a fantasy world. It's something that you could pull off on the draft network. Yeah, I don't know that uh Armstead is in the cards. I'm gonna start calling the draft line. network the dream network. True. Because it's as I saw where they had their projected board and where they had Biotish projected as an early fourth round pick, I'm thinking I don't think that's going to happen. But as I'm doing my mock draft, and I'm like, well, because of that, I'm going to roll the dice that I can get Biotish there at the end of round three, and I could. Yep. But realistically, if you really want him, you probably either have to take him middle of round two or you have to take a couple of those thirds, make him a late second rounder, and then pick him there. But, yep. I, but I want him. I, I I, I want him on that interior. I think he'd be perfect working next to Dalton Reisner on the interior. I'm in. in so. Late third, I'm definitely in. Oh, late third at that point, you're running the podium with a card. Yep. Yeah. So so assuming Bouye demands $13.5 million a year, that's an off-season expenditure of $61.5 million, leaving $20 million to sign the small draft class and other necessary depth pieces. Not bad. Sure. Yeah, good job, Nemo. Brian Boss, so I hope you guys can help out with this. I read an article yesterday that said out of the $70 million cap space, Denver is $26 million of it going to Vaughn's option, and another thirteen and a half to A.J. Boye. Does this mean Denver only has $30 million in cap to sign DL, O-line, linebacker, cornerback, and other possible running back plus all the draft picks? If so, I've been looking at this cap situation all wrong. We actually don't have that much money. No, the, the cap space has been accounting for the option being picked up on Vaughn Miller all along. Yeah, of course. Yeah. From Drew Laka. Hello, gentlemen. I didn't get a chance to comment on yesterday's pod, but I wanted to throw out my biggest grammar slash spelling pet peeve. Being an English teacher, I have a lot. But the one that bothers me the most is when people say unthaw when they just mean thaw. I can't say I've ever heard that. I haven't either. Um, Being born and raised in Alaska, people said it a lot. And I not literally died a little bit inside every time. That's all for today. Keep up the great coverage, and I hope you're having a great week. P.S. Thoughts to Zach and his family. Yeah, I th- appreciate the thoughts. Uh, we'll pass them along to Zach. And I, yeah, I'd never heard of unthaw. It, that's that's like when people say they mean to say I could not care less, but they say they could care less. Yep. So, How much less? Yeah. 
the Danimal. Guys, one quick personal favor to ask in a football question from your time in Indy. I'm flying home for the weekend, so if you could go ahead and order some awesome weather while I'm there, it would truly be appreciated. Well, if home is Colorado, you're going to get that. Mm-hmm. North Warm Carolina too. has been rainy and dreary all weekend. I need some Colorado sun in my life. Yes, it's supposed to be like 67 and sunny all weekend. Perfect. Perfect yep. weather for going outside, hiking, going to a park. Football time. I saw Boye's quote about his key reasons for requesting Denver in the trade were scheme and lock. A few uh, articles this morning have even captured that and deemed it the first documented case of Drew Locke bringing talented to the roster. I also read that football coaches and execs around the league took notice of Drew's potential after the Houston game. What did you guys hear at the Combine with regards to other teams' opinions of what we found in Drew? Love y'all, Danimal. Well, we've talked about it on this podcast, and it's in my article on the website, so you gotta got to pay closer attention, my guy. <laughs> but uh, everyone loves Drew, and they think the Broncos really found something special. Nothing but high praise for Drew Locke. No guarantee that he succeeds, but everything is in place to where he can succeed. That's the sense that I got Yeah, being around there. Yep, totally. Larry Dan Jr. Darn LDJ. You, darn you, Ryan. I was trying to calm down my Chris Harris Jr. frustrations and so my, show my CHJ love, but, man, you made some valid points. Players on their third contract need to speak to what they value. Winning versus the bag. Basically because of salary cap, unless you're a quarterback, bro, it's not going to happen. Darrell Rivas robbed the Jets back in 2015 based on return of the investment he gave them with what they paid him, and I'm almost certain someone got fired because of it. Derek Wolf, I like a lot, but Wolf, dude, all caps, you have not been healthy for one single season of your contract. Long as Wolf is getting more than $5 million, it's fair. Like the Steelers' downfall after their Super Bowl win that led to the Broncos' ascension in the AFC, in my opinion, it was due to that defense getting so old and the Steelers had so much money tied into it. It took a lot of drafting to get their de- defense formidable again. I appreciate and love all of them, but bro, either you're with us or you got to move on. Stop with the narratives like you're being wronged. It's just not realistic. I agree with you, Ryan. Vaughn's leadership to relinquish leadership to Drew, Cortland, etc. speaks volumes. I hope he shows it with his actions because let's be honest, we have to restructure Vaughn's contract after this year. We have to. If we were one piece away that we can find in free agency in 2021, we need a free cap space from that contract. In two years, if everything goes correctly, Chubb and Cortland are going to be ridiculously expensive, and in three years, 45% of our cap will be tied up in Drew, Cortland, and Chubb. We have to get these older contracts off the books by then. Anyways, my only question today is, I book my flight and room tomorrow. Please tell me you guys will be in Vegas for the draft. It'll be dope to say screw the draft, meet you and some Bronco fans at a bar, and catch the draft because I honestly don't really want to go to the draft, but I do want to go to Vegas and celebrate with Broncos country as we build the team that will win Super Bowl 56 or 57 or both. A lot there. Uh, As for your question, unfortunately, no. Mm -hmm. The draft is not a media event. It doesn't make any sense, actually, for media to go to it. Not if you cover only one team. Right. If you're covering the draft, you're covering the entire league, it's a good event to go to. But when you're covering one team, if you stay back at the team facility – they get you the first-round pick via teleconference, and at the team facility is where the GM and the head coach talk. Yeah. So for us, what we do, being back at Dove Valley, is the wiser play. Yep. From Jack Double Magnum, if this draft falls one way or the other, Andrew Thomas or Becton are there for tackles at 15, and only C.D. Lamb is there of the top tier of wide receivers. What do you think the Broncos' move is? 
take the tackle and move on from Bowles or go with Lamb, who isn't necessarily the speed element they've been needing, but is still a great weapon for the offense or trade back. I say take Lamb. I think Lamb there as well. I, the tackle you're talking about, like if, if Tristan Wirfs is there, that's a no-brainer. And I think Jedrick Wills also be somebody they'd bite on at 15 if he's there. Yep. From Ethan Rozier, when I was younger, probably around 11 or 12, I learned that was something called hot milk with my big brain kids – Big brain kid skills. I took my mom's teapot and filled it with milk and began to heat it up. After the steam started coming out, so did the milk, literally <laughs> spilling it all over the oven top while my mom rushed to stop it from ruining more of her oven. Safe to say I learned my lesson. Oh, man. I love the stories about kitchen, about, about kitchen experiments going wrong. What is hot milk? Um, just milk that's hot, I guess. Ew. Yeah, I, not my thing. From Wyo Bronco, guys, I like the trade. Oh, one, I like the trade. I don't think it's a home run, but solid. Still would like to keep Bosby or Gore after another one. It gets frustrating that we haven't been able to develop some top corners. Maybe stop taking him in the third round. Yes. Two, it feels like my dream of having a formidable interior pass rush is dwindling. Thoughts? I, haven't say, I would say it hasn't changed in any way, shape, or form. I'd say a big part of the dream is Draymond Jones continuing to make progress because he has the skill set to be a very good interior pass rusher. Draymond Jones. It's Dreamon? No, I'm saying. Oh, it's part I was of the dream. Slow on the uptake there. Dreamont Jones. Ooh, that's well done, man. <laughs> I bow to you. <laughs> Three. I'm gonna help him out here. Is for Mr. B. Four. Is there a surprise first round pick coming our way again this year? Last year we thought it was a given they were giving. Uh, they were going backer or O line, but we came away with a tight end. This year we feel it's a given it'll be receiver or O line. Thoughts and who? I, I don't think, think tight end was all that b a big a surprise. I think it was right there behind O-line and linebacker. I know it was something that uh, I talked about a lot leading up to the draft, that tight end could be in play. Yeah, we talked about quarterback more than yeah. anything, really. But, yeah, but. I, th I think uh, beyond uh, receiver O-line, we discussed well, it earlier, I think uh, D-line. I, I guess we talked about quarterback a lot before Joe Flacco. Then we started talking about O-line, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the, the but you guys talked a lot about Hawkinson and Fant leading up to the draft. That's as, true. As guys who could be on the Broncos' radar, figuring Hawkinson would go earlier. I know we zeroed in over on the late Orange and Blue 760 on Noah Fant in particular. Um, the dark horse is interior defensive line, in my opinion. And they have talked to Javon Kinlaw yep. already. Five, Mace, after the Senior Bowl and Combine, what are your thoughts on Logan Wilson? Not necessarily for the Broncos, but in a general sense. Love him as a mid-round pick. Love the film. Of course, we're talking about being coming from out of Wyoming. Just He's somebody that you can move around a little bit, a little bit of a chess piece type, but just he's a he's a trust the film guy because you watch Wyoming and he just jumps off and he's a, he's all over the place he's making plays center of that defense reminds me a little of a smaller uh, Danny Trevathan when Danny Trevathan was at Kentucky here was a guy who didn't have the measurables but you just watched Kentucky from that season and you're like this dude's everywhere who is he that's that's Logan Wilson Six, is the possibility of Chenault falling a dream scenario for the Broncos if they can get him at the back end of round two yeah, why not? Um, you'd have to trade up, but you've got three third-round picks, so why not? Yeah, take two of those threes and make them into a two. Yep, sure. Then you got Chenault, and maybe you have Ruggs already as well. I mm -hmm. mean, now you've got a Kansas City Chiefs-esque group of receivers if these guys develop. And the other thing with LaVisca, the risk-reward ratio is right. Yeah, you still have the injury concerns, but – 
this is a first-round talent that you'd be getting at the end of round two. And sometimes you make those rolls of the dice. Occasionally they work out. Occasionally they don't. Remember, Jake Butt was an injury, pardon me, an injury roll of the dice. He didn't work out. But just because that didn't come to fruition doesn't mean you can't take LaVisca late round two, maybe even early round three if he's still there, and have that gamble pay off. One of the Broncos Hall of Famers was an injury gamble. Yes. The great TD. Um, Seven, which is normally for John, but we'll get, let you get away with this one. <laughs> uh, do you think Lamb, Judy, and Ruggs are 1A, 1B, 1C type scenario? Meaning no. Um, I think uh, Judy and Ruggs are 1A, 1B. Lamb is one notch below them. Right. He's two. He's two. But if Judy and Ruggs are gone and there isn't what they like at tackle, I think they'd be comfortable taking C.D. Lamb as well. At yes. 15. I, I, I mean, I think he's a great receiver. From Greatest Show on Dirt, left tackle Jason Peters and the Eagles are mutually parting ways this year. His cap hit last year looked to be about $8.5 million. Is he a viable option for Denver for one to two years? Is it more valuable to have a young first or third round tackle on the roster to be coached under Munchak rather than going a pro bowler past his prime? Well, he's past his prime, but he can also, in addition to Munchak, he can also help a young tackle along. Given what we heard regarding Garrett Bowles, heard at the Combine, and how Bowles limited what the Broncos could do on offense, I would not be opposed to Jason Peters on a two-year deal where effectively the first year is guaranteed, and then if you need him for year two and he's still healthy, you bring him back. But he's tied to a round three to round five tackle that you're developing um, in the mock draft that I had over at uh, NFL Draft Draft Network where I came up with Matt Pert out of UConn. That would be a good scenario for the Broncos Jason Peters for a year, and a guy like Matt Pert developing behind him. I like it. Uh, Peters is injury-prone. So you better make sure you're covered depth-wise, and that's where Mike Remmers, a guy who's come up earlier this week, he can be a left tackle in a pinch. He can also step in at guard. He can be a right tackle in a pinch. And so then you're covered there with somebody who at least can hold down the fort for a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, LA Bronco 30. Hey, guys, I hope I'm not too late to comment. Hopefully you haven't covered this, but my worst nightmare seems to be coming true. I've been telling friends that the Chiefs' future hangs on whether Mahomes will be a money-hungry guy or pull a Brady and make his contract more beneficial for the team or himself. Well, in an interview with Yahoo Sports, I'm reading now looks like his plan is to take less money for the opportunity of a better team overall. That makes me like Mahomes more, but I still hate the Chiefs. Most of my friends don't understand how I can have that point of view. Anyway, a future rivalry of Drew Lockyer and Patrick Zerg Holmes is something I could look forward to for years to come. To, to Drew Finity and B. Lock, keep up the good work. I'll, you know what? I understand completely. Um, when I was a kid, I played basketball, went to North Carolina basketball camp. I'm a lifelong follower of North Carolina Tar Heels basketball. I absolutely love Zion Williamson. doesn't matter that he went to Duke. Absolutely love him. So I get that completely. Yeah. Um, I, I still think that the NFLPA is not going to let Mahomes take a big pay cut. <sighs> yeah, I know. There's, if, if word gets out about a deal that's less than market value, 
there will be people that kind of come to him and say, uh, Patrick, we know you're going to do what you want to do, but uh, think of your fellow players mm-hmm. here. His argument may be, I am thinking of my fellow players. I'm thinking of my fellow Chiefs. Teammates. I'm thinking of more money for them. Hey, you and know they what? can't stop it. They can, they can tell him certain things, but they can't stop him from signing that team-friendly deal. The PA couldn't stop Tom Brady from signing a deal like that. In the end, every team, every dog has its day. And this might be the Chiefs' day. Yeah. It's sad to think that it's right. It's going to be painful in the moment. And it's how how we feel in Denver is how Kansas City felt watching John Elway all those years or Peyton Manning at work for the Broncos those four years. Yeah. Especially when Andy Reid got there and the Chiefs were immediately good and competitive, but they in 13 and 14 they couldn't get past the Broncos they just kind of kept them at arm's length and you imagine how a Chiefs fan felt in those late night early morning hours a Thursday night going into Friday in September of 2015 after Brandon Marshall knocked the ball out from Jamal Charles and Bradley Roby picked it up a game where the Chiefs had the Broncos on the ropes for virtually the entire time where Peyton Manning looked mortal, but he had that drive when it mattered most, and then the Broncos' D made the play to turn potential defeat into certain victory. At that moment, a Chiefs fan was in a probably in a dark place mentally and emotionally. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's where the Broncos fans kind of are right now when they think of the Kansas City Chiefs. It's tough. Yeah, but, but maybe he, Drew Locke becomes the villain like I wrote about uh, when he was drafted, and he can become like a kryptonite to Patrick Mahomes. I'm smiling thinking about this. Drew Locke leading the Broncos on a last-minute drive to beat the Chiefs this year. Oh, be good stuff. Whether it's at Arrowhead or at Empower Field. I mean, imagine the crowd reaction in Power Field, but I kind of like it better at Arrowhead because there is nothing like hearing that crowd Silenced. Silenced. It's been a while. The sweetest sound I've heard at a Broncos game was when Bradley Roby's crossing the goal line for the, in that game in 2015, and the place is just dead with shock. And all I could hear in the press box were some of the Chiefs personnel people a row behind where the visiting media s- sits, slamming laptops and throwing pens in frustration. Love it. Oh, man. Steve Atwater, Hall of Famer, asks about Jason Peters. We already touched on that. Right down to talking about mentoring the young offensive tackle. Yep. He was We're all on the same page here. From the OG MVP, Litvatsky, he says, I'm hoping that I'm able to squeeze this in before you finish up. I've been looking at the NFL Network draft predictions, and I keep seeing them think that there is a need at safety. Is there anything to truly warrant this? I feel that Simmons was to go off the deep and insist on leaving. We would at least sign Parks. Simmons isn't going anywhere, so why so much insistence on the safety position? Hey, I don't know. It's weird. People keep like mocking Grant Delpit. It's like, dude, he can't even tackle. When I yeah, and it's sort of a thing with some of the LSU defensive backs because we had this conversation last year, and we're all saying it last year with Christian Fulton at corner. Yeah, not good tacklers coming out of LSU. How did Greedy Williams do this year? He did okay. Okay, nothing special. Um, 
One situation that I liked, he says, is that Denver moved up ahead of Raiders to draft their number one wide receiver. Man, if you could do that for a three, I'd be fine with it. Definitely. But there are a lot of mock drafts that have the Raiders taking Henry Ruggs. I I, I don't care. As long as you get one of Ruggs or Judy, I'm going to be ecstatic. I, I'm fine, too. I think one of the I reasons— I like Judy better. Yeah. yeah. I think one of the reasons—I think Judy's more complete. I'm happy with Henry Ruggs. Judy's my wide receiver one. Yours, too? Absolutely. He's okay. the best route runner I've seen from a prospect standpoint in a long time. Maybe since Amari Cooper. Yeah. But that's not even a good comparison, I don't think. I don't know. He's as crisp as it comes. I think Jerry Judy could have a Julio Jones-like career. Yeah, I mean, you pair him with Sutton, and you have something special. And it's not like he's slow. I think people say, "Oh, you got to get the speed guy." Jerry Judy's got speed too. What are you, four four three? Yeah, he's yeah. He he still brings something you don't have in that room right this moment. Definitely not. So he goes on. I saw in a few drafts the teams made a run on the corner cornerback position throughout the first couple rounds. Do any of you think this could be a possibility? I don't. There's only one true lockdown corner. Right, uh, but there's also some rumblings about C.J. Henderson to the Jaguars now. Can't tackle. Right, but yeah. they're going to pick him. I, but for the Broncos, I don't see, I don't see the corner there. I actually, I could see them adding a safety in round three. Not a corner, but a safety. On the mock draft simulator I did this morning, I thought long and hard about Kyle Duggar out of Lenore Ryan sitting there in round three. That being said, the Broncos don't really like the small school guys. They do as undrafted free agents. Right, but not at, not drafting him high, even though Kyle Duggar went down to the senior bowl and balled out. He was the best safety down there. He goes on, lastly, I saw a draft by Cynthia something from NFL. Had Bur- Cynthia Freeland. Yes. Had yeah, she's Burrow really good. She knows her stuff. Falling all the way to the Dolphins as the first quarterback off the board at five. I feel this is very unrealistic because teams would be excited to jump up and snatch him if he falls a few picks. Then two to the Chargers at six. Yeah, Burrow's not falling beyond. Well, she's analytically minded, and I think, may- I think maybe that draft would have probably been based off of some other factors like how she would have done it rather than how it's going to turn out but the top of the of mock drafts it's kind of boring this year I feel like one two three are pretty well locked in at this point Joe Burrow Chase Young Jeff Akuda. yeah lots of stuff to go through but I hope you get a chance to talk smack on the NFL Network reporters I always feel that they just put ridiculous perspectives out there just to get some buzz thanks as always that's what everyone's doing most of the time we're, at this time of year. We're all trying to get attention. We're all shouting a little bit. Except, I mean, I don't think we do that, but a lot of places are. We do, yeah. Long blue line. I think we try to get attention with reason takes. Well, I mean, but everyone's com- compi- in 2020, yeah. everyone is competing for attention. But I'll say this, Ryan, and I mean this in a good way. You do come in hot sometimes on social. I... I I guess I do. I didn't. Uh, I never thought of myself as a person with hot takes until I saw the video that we put out, yeah. where at least half of our staff said I have the hottest takes. I honestly never thought of myself. A lot of love it. for Zach too. Yes. What does it say about me that nobody thinks I have hot takes? Well, you're a very uh, measured <laughs> I'm, and I'm boring, logical man. <laughs> the the voice of reason. The every hot take needs an equal and opposite cold take. 
I prefer cool rather than cold. Fine. Yeah. Sometimes you got to pour uh, pour some water on the fire. That's true. Long Blue Line Bronco. Short-time listener, first-time commenter. I just had to get in on the action. Well, welcome. Appreciate hearing from you, man. I've never had a bad microwave experience, but microwave eggs have changed my life for the better. Stir up a couple of eggs in a bowl, throw some frozen sausage and cheese in there, and then nuke it for a minute. Would be interested to hear about more microwave hacks from the Broncos faithful. Okay, so you're talking about you've got the raw eggs. They haven't been... You've just stirred them up, and then you put them in the microwave? It's actually the best way to make scrambled eggs. So the eggs... In, so all that liquid becomes solid when yes. you put it in the microwave for a minute? So there's this thing called egg in a cup that you can buy at the store. Okay. And it just comes with, like, cheese, some meat, and maybe some peppers. Mm-hmm. And then it just says, like, just crack an egg and heat for two minutes or a minute or whatever. Okay. And I bought a few of those, and I'm like, wait. Why would this only work in this cup? It works in any bowl. Just cheese, egg, whatever you want in a, in a scrambled eggs. You put it in the, in the microwave for just over a minute or whatever it is, and you get scrambled eggs. And so, then you don't have a dirty pan. Yeah, and is the egg sufficiently fluffy? I mean, Oh, it's even fluffier. Really? Yes. Oh, my goodness. I may have to uh, – this might be life-changing for me. Yeah, it's a game-changer. Okay. Especially because, like, who wants to dirty up pots and pans in the morning? Oh, I know. Like – Believe me, like if I fix breakfast, that I, I basically I take the pan, I put water in it in the sink, and I'm, I'm like, I'm coming back to this later. Yeah, I'm not doing this right now. Yeah, exactly. So, on another note, it has come to my attention that DNVR provides coverage for both Colorado State and UC Boulder. Never heard of it. <laughs> it's like how in North Carolina, the people at NC State refer to uh, North Carolina as UNC Chapel Hill. Because there are other can't like there's UNC Wilmington UNC Charlotte Asheville Greensboro. Okay. Yeah, but it's it's a way of putting it down. I, I guess so. so. Because there's also UC Denver, and UC Colorado Springs. Here. It's CU Denver and CU Colorado Springs. <laughs> but it's the University of Colorado at Colorado Springs. No. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> but when shortened, it is CU Colorado. Springs. Okay, you gotta tell me why. The University of Colorado is CU because it seems like it's it's a weird thing of this region of the country the because, eight. yeah, the University of Denver is DU, even though it was in the Big Eight, but University of Kansas is KU. University of Missouri is MU, although everyone just says Mizzou. University Nebraska. of Nebraska is NU. University of Oklahoma is OU. Yep. What is it about this like you said, the Big Eight, this part of the country. The Big Eight wanted to be different because there was already UC, there was already uh, U, uh, UO, Oregon. Yes. There was already all of these other ones. So they just said, "Why don't we just flip them around, and then we'll have our own, we'll have our own abbreviations," which I honestly think was genius. And then DU just followed along because CU was doing it, and people yeah, I, were I, used I, to it. I assume. Okay. It just it, it it's always bothered me like. Indiana University, IU, that makes sense because it is Indiana University. Mm-hmm. Ditto West Virginia. It is West Virginia University. It, on, it, it confuses um, recruits a lot. They'll say, like, I've received an offer from Colorado University, and it's yeah. like, no, don't say that. Yeah, anyway. So Long, Long Blue Line Bronco mentions 
Any news on covering Air Force college football? Would love to see DMVR corner the market on Air Force sports, seeing as I can't find good reporting on them anywhere. They are, they are after all, the best football team in the state of Colorado as of this past season. Let me know. I'll buy all the shirts. That's facts. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, it's just the, the market is small. I mean, if mm-hmm. you look at this – if you look at the stadium on a Saturday, it's never right. full. And the same can be said for Colorado State, but they support their team online a lot more than they support their team at the stadium for whatever reason. And the other thing with Air Force, part of it is it is an incredibly div- dispersed fan base because it's not only people who went to the academy, but also you've got a lot of interest in Air Force just from people who are – from. People who are serving in the Air Force. Which is good for us. Right. But, I mean, it's it's definitely on the radar. Yeah. I'll just, that's just the reason why we haven't jumped there yet. Mm-hmm. And but, it should be noted, we're only one year into covering CU and CSU from right. a subscription standpoint. So, it's we, we're expanding slowly but surely. Our hope is that our growth continues and that we are talking about DNVR Falcons. Someday that would be awesome. that would be awesome, and I, mean, I try to go to an Air Force game every year. I, as a fan, I'd love to see it. I well. would never, under any circumstances, wear a DNVR Ram shirt, but I would totally wear a DNVR Falcon shirt. When also the fact, not only with the Falcon, but also with the like you've seen like the old school kind of you know strutting Falcon logo. Yeah, it's sweet. But the lightning bolts, the design possibilities for DNVR Air Force swag are pretty amazing air force already has great uniforms great Mm -hmm. swag but yeah i would love to uh, have our own stuff yeah all right last one here is from denver born denver raised hey guys just wondering if the 2015 broncos defense went up against the 2019 chiefs offense who would win in your opinion i have a hard time seeing how patrick mahomes and the chiefs would be different from all the teams that the broncos mowed down that season yeah the question of who wins also depends on which Broncos offense and which Chiefs defense. Well, because yeah. the Chiefs defense of the second half of this past season against the Broncos offense of 2015, I think Denver's D would do great, but the Chiefs would win the game. That's fair. Um, but let's not forget, in that moment, Cam Newton was the Patrick Mahomes of the league. He was 15-1, and unanimous MVP, and the Broncos made him look silly. Also, who was Cam Newton throwing it to? Uh, Greg Olson. And Ted Ginn and Philly Brown. Yep. He had a lot of fringe guys around him. I think that's one thing. Uh, I think the Broncos, that defense, I think they'd contain Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Chiefs running game. But even the no-fly zone, that defense – had some trouble with tight ends at that time. I think Travis Kelsey would be a problem with Patrick Mahomes and with the attention given to shutting down those other guys. And that's I think what, they, would, yeah. they would hold the Chiefs to a number that would yeah. give them an opportunity to win, right. for sure. I, I, was, I think if, they, if you had the 2015 Chiefs, 2019 Broncos, if they played 10 times, each side wins five. I could see that. Uh, it's right. popping out, but it's, I think it's accurate. Yeah, it would be a close matchup. It would be a great Super Bowl. Yeah, because it's strength versus strength. Obviously, it couldn't be the that. Super Bowl, but <laughs> if it could, it would be a great one. Great AFC Championship. Hopefully, it'd be here. 
want to give a shout out to Davidson's, one of the best liquor stores in the state. If you need your Breck brew, make sure you head over to Davidson's. They are awesome. Uh, it's huge. You're going to have all the help you need to find what you want. So make sure you check out Davidson's. And thank you guys for tuning in today, and we will talk to you tomorrow on the DNVR Broncos podcast. It's getting-